Hi everyone, this is Sydney Menson from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Lisi Yanes Cardozo from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She recently joined us for the fifth webinar in the Cardiovascular Connection series, a joint webinar series brought to you by Inside Scientific, the American Physiological Society, and the European Council for Cardiovascular Research. Her presentation expanded on her research exploring the role of androgens on cardiovascular physiology in cis and transgender patients. Let's jump in. So with that, let's address our first question. Mary Jane said that excellent presentation. Thank you. Is there info available for any clinical trials or any additional references that you could share? Yes, we can do that. And then if Sydney, if this is okay, I, we can add some reference later on. But the, there is a lot of yeah additional information that we can add on to the seminar. And I'm so happy that you want to learn even more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can definitely add resources to to this webinar when it's available on demand. So as soon as Lisi, you can send those over, we'll definitely add them and anyone can have access to them. Absolutely. Okay, let's address this next question here. Have you attempted exercise rather than weight loss? This was earlier on in your presentation. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question. And and we always talk about doing that experiment and the short answer is that we haven't attempted. I think it's a great idea uh, to to do that in the lab. Now, there are clinical data that show that exercise, I mean, exercise is always helpful, right? We all should do more exercise, no doubt about it, and weight loss and healthy diet. But there are some data that suggest that women with PCOS, just by doing exercise, and changing the diet, the benefit is not as profound as you will expect to see with this intervention. But it is beneficial now. What is the maximum benefit that you can have? That is still an answer. Great question. Great. Can we give metformin to non-diabetic PCOS? Okay, so remember the case that we saw, she was on metformin since puberty. So metformin is frequently used in patients with PCOS because insulin resistance increases the level of insulin, right? And insulin can release more androgens in the ovary. So metformin is frequently used off-label to, to treat women with PCOS. So we use it all the time. We use it in obese women with PCOS. We use it without insulin resistance. We use it with insulin resistance. But our data suggests that it's not very effective. Okay, great answer. A little kind of similar line of question. Are GLP-1 receptor agonists and SGLT2 inhibitors also efficient in lean PCOS patients? That's a great question. So 80% of women with PCOS have obesity, 80%. So we are talking about that 20%. It's really not clear if that 20% will get into trouble. So obesity really play a role in their in their in the cardiovascular risk factor, no doubt about it. So I didn't show the blood pressure data in our pair feeding experiment. So we were able to abolish the increases in blood pressure with pair feed. So, so going back to the beneficial effect of, effect of lifestyle intervention. 
So there are some data that show that lean women with PCOS have endothelial dysfunction. As today, the GLP-1 are FDA approved to be used one in obesity and two in diabetes, not in lean PCOS women. And the big question is, will they be okay with time? And because they are such a low percentage of women with PCOS, as I said, 20%, that is a great question. Yeah, something I think to keep looking into. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Next question, Frederick asks, men have many of the complications that you find in PCO women. What about using liraglutide, SGLT2 inhibitors, et cetera, in men to avoid and treat risk for things like diabetes or coronary heart disease? This is a great, a great point, right? So hypogonadism in men, low level of testosterone in men are associated with what we see in our model or women with PCOS. So there is clearly a sex difference on the effect of androgen. So low level of testosterone is associated with diabetes, insulin resistance, and obesity in men. And GLP-1 works very well. So I'm not aware of molecular mechanisms that happen when you lower. So we did several years ago, we did studies in sucre rat, which is a model of a metabolic syndrome. And those rats have lower level of testosterone. They have a central hypogonadism, actually. And I remember when we gave them testosterone to our hypogonadal sucre rat, the insulin resistance significantly improved. When we give them testosterone, the insulin resistance significantly improved. The leptin level went down significantly as well as the adipose tissue. So really the data that we see in biological females, you cannot translate that to men because it's different. It's a totally different system. So and the underlying mechanisms are totally different. The hormone is the same but the effect that we see is totally different. Okay, very detailed response, thank you. Rebecca asks, well, she says, great talk. What are your thoughts about aromatase in trans men with TRT? Thank you, Rebecca, that is a great talk. So I wanna say first that gender affirmant therapy with testosterone, estrogen, and spironolactone are not FDA approved to be used, right? We use it all the time because it helps, but they are not FDA approved. Aromatase inhibitor inhibit the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. So estrogen have a lot of beneficial effect on cisgender men. For example, when you lower their the conversion of testosterone to the estrogen part, they, you can see changes in the bone. Also, central actions of testosterone are driving by estrogen. So estrogen is not a bad hormone for men to have, for cisgender men to have. But going back to your question, in transgender, we don't, as far as I know, we don't have that data available. Another area to explore, I think. And so, so many areas, right? So, yeah. So many great questions. I love it. So carry some of the questions that you have and take it to the lab and, and, and come back with the answer. We, this is an area where we desperate, several areas where we desperate need more research. So I appreciate the question. Yeah. Great. Okay. Frank says, fantastic work and talk as usual, Lisi. Is there enough data from studies in humans regarding adrenergic receptor blockades on any PCOS outcomes? You alluded to it a little bit. 
So I have to I have to say that Frank is in my university. So his family. <laughs> thank you for your comment, Frank. I brought all my family to the audience. So that's a great question. So we, the sympathetic inhibitors. So they are not very popular. We have the old hat study which they, it was done in hypertensive patients and they received sympathetic inhibitor. I don't remember if they analyzed the data men versus women to begin with, but the sympathetic arm of the all had study, so they have an ACE inhibitor arm, a diuretic arm, calcium channel blocker, and the sympathetic blocker. So the less popular was the sympathetic blocker and actually the beneficial effect we really saw in that trial with a calcium channel blocker, ACE inhibitor, and diuretics. And that's why diuretics are first line of options in patients with hypertension. So I'm not aware uh, of that data. I think it's a great question. Uh, I feel like patients with PCOS, a particularly population that we can use because we know that androgens activate the renin angiotensin system and that and activate the sympathetic nervous system. So I think this population in particularly, I think will be benefit, but I don't, I don't have, I don't know clinical research data to answer that question. Thank you. Great. Detailed response. Iman says, thanks for an excellent presentation. Can you comment on maternal health outcomes for women with PCOS as they successfully conceive? This is a really interesting question. Very good. Yes. So we do have data in women with PCOS that the rate of preeclampsia, diabetes during pregnancy, and bad outcomes are significantly worsened. And then also babies from women with PCOS, they are also they also have a several deleterious features such as they are small for gestational age, and then we know that that is a risk factor that you go, you get when you're born and you carry throughout your life. And later on, you, you can see a lot of negative changes due to that low birth weight at birth. So we do have data in women and also our RAD model of a PCOS, they do have a issues in the offspring, um, uh, changes in blood pressure and also body composition. We haven't looked at our animal model of PCOS and, and blood pressure during pregnancy, but that's something that we always talk on, on doing. So hopefully soon we will, will carry those experiments. That's a great question. Yeah, that would be somewhere to help improve those women's outcomes and the babies too. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we have time for one more question. So we're going to ask this one here. How does progesterone-based oral contraceptives impact insulin sensitivity? That is a great question. So what we use in the clinic sometimes we use what we do in the clinic we do to help them right so let's go back to the case that i present today so progesterone so you have two type of ocp you can do progesterone only and then you can do combination of estrogen and progesterone so if you combine estrogen and progesterone it seems that that combination have more deleterious effect, maybe because the estrogenic part that also increase angiotensinogen in the liver. We don't know, but you can see, for example, if your blood pressure is not under control, the OCP are contraindicated, the combination. Now, progesterone only, progesterone only doesn't have a lot of meta negative effect as the combination 
of estrogen and progesterone. So if you are gonna choose one with women with PCOS, we prefer progesterone, right? Because they have already diabetes, obesity, and so on. So we, as an endocrinologist, we do prefer progesterone only because they seem to be more neutral in terms of the metabolic effect. Now, the real question is, if you compare to a woman who is not on progesterone, right, are those women are going to have issue? And to my knowledge, we don't have that answer yet. But if you have to choose between two, always we choose progesterone only because they have less negative effect than the uh, combination of estrogen and progesterone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers, just like you, answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.